Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Stem Cells at Lunch Digested podcast. I'm Emily Reid, a PhD student at the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine. And today we're very lucky to be joined by Professor Manuel Serrano from the Institute for Research and Biomedicine in Barcelona. He's produced seminal work in the fields of tumor suppression, senescence, aging and reprogramming. Not only has his work hugely advanced our understanding of these processes, but also has exciting applications in the field of regenerative medicine. So thank you so much for joining us today, Manuel. Thank you. Thank you to you for, for inviting me. It's an honor. So it would be great if we could start by hearing a summary of what your research is about. Our lab is divided essentially in two areas. One is regarding cellular senescence, and the other one is regarding cellular plasticity. Plasticity uh, meaning the ability of cells to change identities. And we try to apply these two topics, senescence and plasticity, to, uh, to treat diseases and to try to understand rejuvenation and therefore aging. So these are our main goals. Could you just explain for our listeners what, what is senescence? That might be a term that not all of our listeners are familiar with. Cellular senescence is a response that most of our cells have when they are damaged. In our cells, there are sensors for damage. And when they reach a certain threshold, the cells are able to acquire this response basically is an alert or alarm response and they are trying to notify the immune system that something bad is happening. So this is, is a beneficial response because it is meant to repair the damage. But if these cells are not properly eliminated, so this response should be transient, but if it is not, then these cells that are alerting the system constantly, they can become pathological. Thank you. Yeah, that's very well explained. Thank you. So why is it important to understand that in the context of regeneration? So what, how, is, how is regeneration and senescence, how do they interact? And what are the potential pathological consequences when that goes wrong? Exactly. So cellular senescence is one of the main initial responses that happen in a damaged tissue. And these senescent cells are actually changing the environment, the microenvironment of the damaged tissue, and they are preparing this injury or this injured site, they are preparing it for regeneration. So senescent cells participate in initiating the process of regeneration, but they're the other part is that they have to be eliminated for a successful regeneration. So they initiate the process, but at the end of the process, if it is successful, they have to be eliminated. So it's quite a complex dynamic interaction between those two forces. Yes, exactly. It, it is complex. And this is why senescence has these two phases. It can be beneficial in in a normal process of damage, and particularly in young, healthy persons. But what happens is that when we get old, this complex process doesn't work properly. The last part of the process is not accomplished, and the senescent cells are not eliminated. And this creates a vicious cycle when the damage remains and the senescent cells 
remain alerting and that creates a problem. Following on in that vein, you've also co-founded a discovery stage biotech company to develop drugs termed Senolytics that target senescent cells. So what are the potential applications of Senolytics in therapy? It turns out that many diseases, particularly degenerative diseases, are accompanied by an accumulation of these senescent cells, high accumulation. There are many senescent cells together with inflammatory cells, for example. And of course, inflammation is a main target, a main pharmacological target for many diseases, but now senescence is becoming another prominent target. Um, Senolysis, the, the concept of senolysis is to eliminate, to find pharmacological compounds that can eliminate, that can trigger the elimination of these senescent cells. So this is the goal, to kill them. And there are compounds that seem to have this ability. They seem to be toxic for senescent cells and much less toxic for non-senescent cells. And when they have been tested in animal models of diseases, and I emphasize animal models, when they have been tested in animal models, they have shown surprisingly good responses in in a variety of diseases. So it is remarkable not very different from anti-inflammatories. Anti-inflammatories in animal models also have very good effects, very good therapeutic effects, and the same anti-inflammatories are effective on many different diseases. So maybe senolytics are uh, compounds that can be combined with anti-inflammatories and they can provide further uh, therapeutic benefits. So far, there is only one clinical trial that has reported results in humans with these analytics compounds. And this has been in the case of human lung fibrosis. It is an interim result uh, showing some therapeutic activity, but it's still too early to, to have. The, the trial is not finished. We will have to wait a few years. This is a trial that is run by the Mayo Clinic in, in the United States. And we will have to wait and let's see what happens. The good news is that the good news is that there are clinical trials ongoing. And I'm sure that some of them will fail, but I'm hopeful that some of them will will show activity. And of course, this is a learning process and we, the community, will learn how to use these new drugs. I find that comparison to anti-inflammatories really helpful. What challenges are there to developing senolytic therapy? The main challenge that we are facing now is the biomarkers to detect senescent cells in vivo. We know how to detect senescence in our experimental models, in the laboratory, with animal models that we, of course, we can we can do all kinds of analysis and we can sacrifice the mice and do all these things. But it's essential to find biomarkers that we can follow either with non-invasive imaging techniques or with a blood analysis, a blood analysis that where we can detect the load of senescent cells and how effective the therapies are. So this is a main, I wouldn't say roadblock, but this is a main limitation. So what has motivated you to grant it to the more commercial industrial space 
and how does that complement your research? Well, the motivation, the motivation probably is that I'm getting old and <laughs> after years of doing basic research, I think that, and I don't think that I'm, I'm very different from many other colleagues, we feel the need of, of trying, at least trying to, to, to move the research that we are doing into a more practical area that benefits people. I think that this is the main motivation for many scientists. I would like to, to have this feeling of, oh, well, my research has contributed to something therapeutic or something beneficial. So there's also been a debate about extending human lifespan for the sake of it, especially in an increasingly resourced, unstable world. So what, what are your thoughts on this and what are the potential impacts of extending lifespan, potentially with phenolytics, on wider society? It's a very good question. So my, my interest on ageing, the main motivation for me is that I find it a challenge, a conceptual challenge to understand what is aging. I think that whereas we understand a lot about inflammation or about cancer, not not everything, but we understand a lot, the principles, I think that regarding aging, there, there is still many things that we don't understand. So I find that scientifically challenging. Uh, I don't work with the hope that extending lifespan is something achievable in the short term. I don't think that this is going to happen in the near future. I think, however, that understanding aging, we may learn how to treat some diseases. For example, degenerative diseases. I think that degenerative diseases is like a focus aging. So a person may have a certain age and suddenly the, the kidney becomes... Fibrotic. I think that this is aging focus in the kidney. So that's why I'm saying that understanding aging, we may learn a lot about particular diseases that affect particular organs in an accelerated manner. I think that this is a kind of accelerated aging focus in one organ. In any, in any case, I don't want to evade the question of what are the, the larger impact about in society about extending lifespan. We are extending I mean, we as a society, we are extending our longevity since 200 or 300 years ago. Since the Industrial Revolution, the, the human longevity keeps increasing and increasing. And we are all happy about that. Nobody complains about that. Of course, this creates problems. I'm not negating that. That creates problems, but we find a way to solve them. I... I'm fully aware of the high demand and stress that humans are imposing on nature and on the planet. And this is going to be, this is a limitation. And this is a factor that we have to consider the, the, the huge impact that society has on, on the planet as a whole. We have to, to find a way to accommodate our well-being and our progress with the well-being of the planet. That's a really interesting answer as well as thinking about how consenolytics perhaps be applied to help people age healthily or, you know, targeting diseases that affect generally older people but can occur in younger people and kind of what lessons can we learn from ageing and how can that be applied? You explained it very well. One 
attractive aspect about degenerative diseases that happen during aging is that we don't need we don't necessarily need to have a fantastic cure for a person that is debilitating that has a disease that is debilitating just an improvement of 10 or 20 percent in the function is fantastic it, it, it can make the difference between I cannot get out of my house to go do groceries or I can. So that, that, that is a big difference. Or I can go with my grandchildren or not, just by improving a little bit. So I think that this is our humble goal in this. Well, humble is not humble. It's, it's, it's very important. But we are not thinking or I am not thinking about extending the human lifespan from 80 to 120. No, I'm thinking about things that are more uh, reachable. So as a final question, what do you see as the most impactful developments in your field over the next five years? I think that to have a positive data uh, in the clinical trials that are ongoing using senolytic treatments, that will be a, a milestone, that will be a, a turning point. And I think that this can happen in the next five years because there are already clinical trials ongoing with different diseases and with different candidate senolytic drugs. So I hope that one of them or more than one are positive. That will inject a lot of enthusiasm and, and credibility to, to the field. Thank you so much for speaking here today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you.